I can't control the universe. But my job is nearly done. They're one off the college. The others, hopefully I can help them on that path. That, that's a, there's a role and job I have there. And these are my flowers. There's no weeds. I planted seeds. And, and, and I want the nurture to grow. In the room, 52 Jokers Wild. So welcome to the show. It's another week in the room with 52 Jokers Wild. And this week, my guest is... Gavin Burke, the CEO of the Film Production Academy. Hello, Gavin. How are you? What are you doing on my show? No, this is interesting because <laughs> I was listening to this, well, I was going to say, unknown, unheard of show called yep. 52 Jokers Wild on all your friendly pl- you know, podcast platforms. And I was doing a bit of painting the other day and I pressed the button and says, if no one else is going to listen to it, I will. And I started, the shows just came in being, I say, episode 77 and 84. It rolled into whatever I hadn't listened to. And I said, Jesus, these guys are great. They're very good at the self. We've taken self-coaching to a new level. We actually coach ourselves from ourselves on our own podcast, talking to ourselves in the podcast, talking to us when I'm painting. And I got, I, I rang George up twice after it. Couldn't get through to him. I don't know what he was doing. And I said, there's this great guy and he's coaching me and it's you. It's, it's George. And I said, I didn't listen to him then, but I'm listening to him now a year after the fact. And I felt, I felt a bit lost there yesterday in a sense, like we all do. And I didn't know where I was. I didn't know if I'm doing the right thing. I didn't, I, I kept on looking up the ladder and seeing people were lots more achieving more, doing more. And I, I felt I, I, are we doing the, it came like, are we doing the right thing? And I put this, I was painting and I put the, the show on and it told me, the universe told me and George and God in, in his words that you're doing the right thing. You're, you're exactly where you're meant to be. You're in the now. You're doing what you're doing. I was painting. I was, I had that plan and that action was achieving something, just cleaning, prepping, painting. It was a job. It was a task while double jobbing, listening, listening to our show. And then I start realizing our show, we have a show. We, I don't know how many customers we have. It doesn't matter. I, I, it's something that's there for posterity now. It's on platforms, it's on YouTube, it's, it's in Facebook, it's, Facebook, it's on LinkedIn. And do I believe, George always asked me this, you know, do, do you believe it's worth anything? Do you, do you believe it's a show? And I listen to it and I keep on getting... So, if I get something out of it, and if even it's just myself talking to me or the universe or George talking to me, I got a lot out of it. We have a show. We've now got 130 something episodes. So I suddenly realized where we are, where from then to now. You know, I'm not earning millions. I'm not, you know, we're not, you know, like, you know, a massive in demand academy doing creative features all over the place. No, but we do exist. We have a show. We've made, now the next part was, we're 30 episodes in to talking to our peers in the indie film production arena, particularly in Ireland, a little bit of America, not forgetting Judah Blackburn and the Chicago Film Festival and people like that. And some, some from folks England, in Argentina. And Argentina and Ireland. And I'm saying 30 heads. If we were to put them up now, there's 30 little, little face, smiley faces. And what we were realizing when I looked at these episodes or jumped in and out of them, they were all laughing. They all had, well, they, won't, may not tell, they might tell us a different story if we ask them again. 
but we have evidence, photographic evidence and sound evidence and video evidence of them laughing. No, laugh, probably laughing at, not laughing with. But they enjoy the hour. We may not have talked to, you know, what came out of that was, were we talking about film and business and this and that? And we sort of lulled them into a false sense of security that they might be talking about something they like themselves, that they might be a guest on a show where they might be the star. But what it really was about was, and we're, we're starting to kind this new phrase of the story of you. And it's us, it's our story, your story, these people, these people that we didn't know beforehand, that we know a little bit better, we know a little bit something of. And when we got under the covers and broke the barrier of the professionalism, we got to have a laugh and got to talk about something real. And, and that's where I feel, you've asked me a question about, welcome CEO of Film Production Academy. Who am I? Who are we? We're using this terminology to go meet people in our peer set, in an industry from which an entertainment industry and you know a film industry in particularly in Ireland because that's where we are and further field because we can reach out and can we make a difference to someone can we be a listening ear can we coach and mentoring them to start or stop or do something different or better or bring value and the question we asked ourselves before we started press play on this particular show was do we believe we're of any value to others, to ourselves first and to others, should we keep doing what we're doing? And the answer is a resounding yes. I believe I'm in the industry. I believe we're starting, uh, George's in it for 40 years. I believe as a new we, we as the Film Production Academy and 52 Jokers Wild have a place in the indie production sphere within Ireland and further afield that we can be a listening ear, we can listen, get to know the story of them and us and you, and we can make a difference in someone's lives and our, particularly our own and our families and friends, make new relationships and make new friends and go do something new, different, or maybe the same thing again, but with just different people. But we belong here. There's a journey ahead of us. I'm happy to be here. And it's a long, long-winded answer to a very simple question. Of who of well, who are you? What the hell are you doing? Why are you here? Do you belong? So I think we do. It's it's interesting that you <clears throat> you've you've just talked about being up a ladder, painting, and you were actually worried about all the people that were higher up the ladder, which means it's quite dangerous. <laughs> but in your mind, you were you were you had this metaphor of all these other people above you. But I think what what's really interesting is if you think about that again, the only person on that ladder was you. And there wasn't anybody else on that ladder. And I think that's something quite worthwhile because we, we tend to keep comparing ourselves to other people. And yet each of us have our own individual journey that we're actually on. And it's been, it's been influenced by other people, but we're not the same as other people. We're on our own individual journey. And I think that that's something worthwhile considering, especially seeing as that, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this ourselves, being in the moment, as you mentioned just there. Uh, not worrying about the future, not worrying about the past, but just being happy with yourself where you are in the present. Mm. And quite often we keep thinking, right, we have to do this, we have to do that, we have to do the other. And then we overthink the process and we end up not doing any of the things that we thought we could do because we've just wasted all the time that we thought we had because we've been thinking that process through. And then when we stop and we don't think about it, we end up doing things 
quite naturally and it comes you know easy for us to do those things and i think that's what's happened with the show we we were plodding away we we're we're working our way through a, a program of tasks that needed to be done that we felt had to be done to become an accredited academy but in the meantime when we didn't think about those things we were producing all these podcasts and all of a sudden people appeared that we could interview and talk to and chat to and that kind of enhanced us as well some of them sort of talked about things that we'd experienced and they'd shared with us their experience and we got to hear their story the story of you and we got to share our story the story of us and i think that that was important because then we were able to make those comparisons without sort of worrying about where they were and we were then quite naturally able to help so when on occasions there have been folks that have suddenly been there and said what should i do about this we've been able to give them some ideas of, of possibly help in some form or fashion which has helped them to move themselves in the direction one of the wonderful things i've discovered in more recent years i think because i've been doing the counseling course is that i'm not there to solve other people's problems i'm here to go on the journey with them so that they could discover their own way of solving those problems and that in a sense is a joy because there comes a point where you also know here's where you go on your own you're able to succeed now and we can now disengage from that process and go off and help other people that have come into our network. And it means that we're, we know what there are certain boundaries that we're working within. And I think that becomes quite good because you have to have those boundaries. And what we've also been discussing quite often is, is, okay, well, one of the boundaries that we have is that we also need to bring in a pool of finance to what we're doing. And we have to ensure that we, you know, do what we need to do to keep the households going, to keep the cars going and keep keep everybody happy. And it's only whatever we have in excess that we should be able to say, yeah, we can give some of that away. And I think one of the things that was quite interesting was that concept, that concept we had earlier on that um, we, we, you talked about somebody that had a large sum of money and they were able to invest it and they were able to work things. But one of the things that came out of that story was although they benefited maybe tenfold or twentyfold or a hundredfold, they actually, if it if they lost that, it wouldn't it wasn't going to affect them as a human being. It would they it would have been a learning process. Um, many people are actually at a point where they're basically relying on whatever they do at this point to achieve all their goals, and if they lose it, they've lost everything. And that's where they find themselves under so much pressure. And I think that's something that uh, is worthwhile exploring. So what are your advice to people that, are, you know, because you're, you're, you're talking to the filmmakers. We're, we're hearing what they're saying. What, what, what are your concepts? Now, there is a strange thing. You know, I would be, I've been talking, well, I talk ass lots of people. <laughs> I think I'm talking with some too, but no, I'm talking ass. Uh, and, but now, again, the one thing that you were just talking about there, George, and I sort of heard, and, I, and you, you keep on saying to me, and it's very, very important, what we're meant to be doing more so is listening. And I, I, I'm not a great listener, but I do listen. I'm a great subliminal listener. So you think I'm shouting at you, interrupting you, but my brain takes it all in and it just stores it and repackages it and joins dots. And then about four sentences later, I chuck out something you weren't expecting that took into consideration what you were talking about, added some more value and gave you some options you weren't, not, you weren't considering and didn't see because it wasn't in a straight line. So I am listening, but I'm also interrupting. So that's why you can't tell the difference. You know, no, I am listening to myself, but that's me processing to try and solve and solutionize. But I shouldn't be doing that then and there. It's just so 
In the meantime, we the meantime being, let's say the last year, we've spoken to the we we took a little bit of a a sample of the Irish industry of indie filmmakers. Though that's from shorts to features, actors to 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 to, to cameramen to you name it. So it's not it's people working in from in front of the camera, behind the camera pre-production, post-production, and everywhere in between. It's, but they're in, they're not in, they, what, the main thing there is they haven't got a job doing one thing. It's somewhere else. These are particular people that are trying to be in in the production. They're, it's their stories. It's about them being involved in that particular project and being a player in the project as opposed to being a worker in the machine. So well, that's what I like about it. it these projects are near passion projects and very, very dear to an awful lot of the people involved. But because of that, the one stepping in from the outside, I, I, and I'm seeing it without being passionate about their project, I, as the old accountant, I'm going, it's not my project. It's would you invest your money in your money if you had excess? See, George just said it. If you had excess money, would you put it in? More than likely. If you hadn't got excess money and you had enough just to keep your household going, would you? No, it's more riskier. So the passion projects we're coming across are, all, are mostly owned by individuals that need someone else to have excess. And now, and we've said that in, in multitudes of the 30 episodes, but it's a recurring theme of disempowerment on because all these people are, are indicative of other people across the world that have talent, that are creatives, that want to show their art, that want to deliver a quality product. But it's the passion is overriding. So it's not see it's not overly commercialism, but maybe more artistic. So it does it. The question as an accountant always has been: Does it have a paying audience that will prepay and pre-buy and pre-purchase and finance your passion? So it's that can be commercial. So the matter George keeps on saying, we can't keep on coming up with the same issue in the same at every show. Because that's all we'll talk about from here to doomsday for indie production. And what I'm, we're realizing is, back to what you were saying, is it's our job to listen, not to solve. It's our job to stop, help people stop themselves putting in 100% of risk and all into one basket and losing all through disempowerment and then, not, and then being, you know, having this stress and pain and having to start again. It's if you're going to have the passion, it's about packaging passion in a proper way. So all is not a risk, but value is shown and, and capable of being delivered. And we're talking to the right people as opposed to reinventing the wheel. Every, everyone out there has to reinvent the wheel if they haven't got that connection with those other team members that can help them reach the parts they don't that they, they, they are not the answer to. So we're finding our space in the industry. It might be between investor and industry worker what i'm seeing is i would love to be involved and think george would like to be too is to listen and to help package passion for creatives into opportunity for investors so that the end consumer can get to see the art can get to have the align with the passion and to be entertained informed and everything else in between and so everyone involved out there doesn't get burnt, doesn't fade away, doesn't invest in future stresses, doesn't risk all. Now, that is not a solution. That is just 
we need to package ourselves better to understand how not to risk all and, and to be seen and to be heard and to be valued and not to, no, our biggest, the strange thing is, I am constantly saying in different shows, we've no listeners or we've no, and I might, we, I reject myself on the basis of a measure of an unknown listener that's rejected us through not having heard of us, not having seen us. And no, the, oh, and I keep on coming back. The answer that keeps on coming back is when I'm listening to my own show and George is coaching me and mentoring me through our first 70 episodes, and saying it's okay, and the only person on that ladder that matters is yourself. And are you on, have you found a ladder? Are you moving up it? You can move back down and up again. Do you want to get, I don't even think we want to get to the top. We just need a ladder. But we don't want someone to take the ladder from underneath us. So that's where we are. We, I want to, and I think, I keep on saying the royal we, we want to listen more. We, we're not here to solve. We're here to listen. We're here to help. We're here to coach. We're here to mentor. We're here to be involved in what needs to be done and help point out what shouldn't be done and let it go of what is a distraction. So I don't even know that's an answer, but it's my version of the same. I think what, what's really lovely is that in your discussion there, you talked about the little snippets of information and how through your listening process, you you take little snippets and then in your mind, they get assembled in a slightly different order. And that just reminds me of me being an editor. And when we are playing around with saying, oh, look, we could put this here, we could put that there. Oh, look, that comes up with something new. And I think that that's a lovely way of kind of analyzing that kind of process. And a lot of people aren't thinking that way. They're not thinking about how they can do that. And then what you started to talk about, we talked about this idea of preparation. And it reminded me that in the process of filmmaking, there are literally two units, possibly three units of, of pre-production, but you've got your development as well, to one unit of production to three or four units of editing, post-production. And in the editing process, there's usually just the editor and the director and possibly producer. You have maybe hundreds of people <laughs> working in the production, which is the very smallest part of it. And in the, in the early part, especially the development, there's literally possibly just the writer who's going to be a producer and maybe the director. And really, that's the point where all the concentration and preparation needs to be done. Because if you get the preparation right, which is what I think you, you were talking about earlier on, you stand a better chance of winning the investors to come and actually put the money into your project and make it happen. If you haven't done that preparation and what we've been seeing, and I know I've probably done this as well myself with other projects, we've rushed in to do what we thought was the fun bit. But in the end, we've then struggled because we haven't got the resources that we need to, to pull the whole thing together successfully. Whereas if we would put the effort into getting the funding and putting the project, getting the pitch right and, and using that funds wisely, we would have actually accomplished our goal and had an easier ride going through the production process, which at the end of the day is just a way of acquiring the acquisition parts, the assets that you can then assemble in the editing process that you just talked about to, to tell a story. And in this case, it's the story of us or the story of you. And that's the important part. And again, I think that's listening. That's where what we're hoping is the, 
the filmmakers in turn will listen to the ideas that we're talking about. It takes wisdom, unfortunately. It takes going through and making uh, those Norman mistakes. Not Norman wisdom here. No, not Norman wisdom. wisdom, no. But to, to get to the point where you understand that really you need to slow down and sometimes stop to actually examine and reflect on the process you're going through without rushing into what you think is the most important. The most important part isn't the shoot. The most important part is developing the ideas, getting the funding to take the risk out of what you're doing as best as possible. Also, not only financially, but your psychological and your physical risk, because the less resources you have in those two areas of, of psychology and, and physics, the less you are likely to damage yourself in those areas because you run out of steam, literally run out of steam. And I think that's an important part. So that's something that came out of what you just now been saying there. No, I heard two words. No, this strange thing is the stop. I, I've had that conversation this morning with another colleague and we're doing the same thing or he was and I am and we were over time. I did in the past. I stopped being an accountant. No, I won't ever stop being an accountant because I've 30 years of it in my head. And I'll naturally seep out and I'll go, oh, that's a revenue, that's a cost, that's going to cost, you know, so it'll be in my language, but I'm not working at being anymore. And I said to him, a couple of the little sayings I had on my desk was saying, you can't, you can't have one foot in and one foot out. I was saying, like, I, want, I need to be all out in order to stop. And for me to start something else, I can't keep, so I need to stop. I, I said to him, I stopped two years ago when I met George, or maybe three, I don't, or 10 years ago. I don't, even, I don't even know how long it is anymore. But I stopped being an accountant, and I started to be, uh, I don't even know to use a proper language. Like I, could, I say filmmaker, you know, because, not George, because George said we just made 140, you know, TV programs. If you, because they're there, they're on video, you know, if there are web series, they're, you know, so it's not, they're not films, you know, in my understanding of it, but we have 140 hours more than RTE has of production audio output and video output. So I, I'm going to say and use the terminology likely, you know, I'm a filmmaker because I know in my future there will be one. And if I die, if I die before there is one, the intent was there. That's all it needs to be. Because the, the number of the people I'm seeing out there that are filmmakers are in the exact same position as myself in the sense of we can all make the film if we have the money. But if we don't have the money, we're all aspiring filmmakers. So I am as much an aspiring filmmaker as some of the people I know. And I did that. So therefore, I feel more comfortable then going, right, what? The question then becomes, what film? And that then aligns back with investors and the, the future audiences, because there's going to be 100 films and passion projects out there that want making. And if there's only two going to be made or one, which one? Because then 99 passions are not going to be extinguished, but they're going to be deferred to another year by a different investor. So it's you, the people out there that have a passion that if it needs other people, you've got to make your passion their passion. You've got to make, you've got to grow your team and you've got, and the most passionate, you've nearly got to be snogging the head off of is the investor. You've got to get them very, very passionate about your pet project. Otherwise, it's an unrequited love. And there's, a, and there's not much passion in unrequited love, I don't think. And that's where I see it. We've an awful lot of unrequited love out there. There is very passionate investors out there, but they just don't love me. And but they don't know I exist. They don't know that my love and my passion is something they should love. And, and but that then becomes the story of the story. And and therefore we've got to tell more stories, but not make the stories, 
because that's a million quid, that's 10 million quid. No, we've got to tell the stories to the right listener that can do something about it. For years, I was always talking to the wrong person. Therefore, and then feeling dejected and rejected on the even asking girls to dance. If she doesn't want to dance with you, move on. No amount of asking again is going to change the fact she doesn't like you, doesn't want you, you're not her type, you're too tall, too small, too fat, too thin, whatever. It's the wrong audience. So passion and stop. So stop, it might be your passion, but you might have to stop sometime because it's unrequited love. If it is a passion that needs fulfilling and you can find that lover, then you need to find out, get out there and be telling the right story, be wearing the right attire, go on those blind date programs because the universe will help. But you've got to be asking, got to be talking, got to be willing, and you can't be repeating the, the same old madness again and again, expecting a different result. It's not going to change. That's the lottery we touched on that before. So I think we can stop and actually, even when you lose all, you're still alive. And I had that little conversation with some, like something earlier today that reminded me of my, and, and the ladder issue in the sense of I can see I have a fireman's ladder and I'm on rung number one. And I keep on looking up how far to go and I'll never make it. I haven't the energy and I can't, I'm afraid of heights. But I, must, I have a ladder. And as long as I have a ladder, I'm alive. And as long as it's there, I can go up and down. You know, and other people have no ladder. Other people are on step one and won't get a chance to go to step two. You know, I, I, I do believe, you know, as long as we're here and we live in the net, I'm getting, that's the, what George helps me with all the, all the time. And even the outside factors of the universe, letting these other little pieces of information seep in to remind you, not of what you don't have, but what you do. I am healthy at this point in time. I have a loving family. I'm not divorced, and other people are. I, I, I may not have millions, but you know, I'm not going to starve. You know, so therefore, I am exactly where I need to be. I'm here in the now. And everyone is in that exact same place, if only we stop bringing the future into the present and stop worrying about the past. If we just move into this moment of passion and now, then I think, you know, stop worrying, stop overthinking, stop letting unnecessary things seep into your line of vision and be even passionate about, actually be passionate about the now. Value time and the rest will nearly take care of itself if we're aware of what we have rather than what we don't. Time thing is very interesting because I know that um, over the years we've spoken about why it's important to have time slots into things. And a lot of people keep saying, oh, I haven't got time to do this. I haven't got time to do that. And, you know, that's a waste of time and oh, blah, blah, blah. But one of the things I found is that if you start to allocate segments of time, and I mean segments, just little bits of time for certain tasks, you can start to achieve quite a lot because you know that, let's say, from nine o'clock to half past nine, you're going to maybe do some writing or you're going to do your accounts or you're going to do, you know, something. But if you keep getting into that practice of doing using those time slots to do specific things and don't overthink when you're there, because I think that's why, you know, there's this idea of pro procrastination it comes in, is that people are ending up spending, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And the thing is that sometimes you just need to do, even if it just seems to be messing around, doodling, ideas come from that. Now, Garvin's been talking about talking to other people, 
And that's an important part of it, networking. And you don't know who you're going to be talking to that may be just that gem that's there when you need them later on in life, or you're that gem for them because they need that little extra help later on in life that you can't plan for. And I know that, you know, there are, there are networks of people that I've actually started, that I've not started, but have actually been in my life for many, many decades. And all of a sudden, you know, you've traveled on a journey and they're the ones that are there telling you how, how you've actually achieved certain things. So they're watching Garvin going up his ladder and they're saying, Garvin, you're actually at the top. You don't need to worry anymore. You're actually where you wanted to be. Stop thinking about it. Stop overthinking about it. And there you are. You're there. You're at the top of the ladder. And you're just doing and being what you want to be. And I think that's that's something that, especially younger people, they're sort of constantly, I need to get there. I need to get there. Well, actually, the journey in getting there is probably the fun bit. If you get there too quickly, you've missed out most of what you could have learned as you went on that journey. And I think that's something exciting that we're, we're doing. Slow down. Be in the present. Don't worry about the future. Forget about the past because you can't do anything about that but you can do something about what you're about to do next and don't overthink it. I've had lots of people come to me and say, do you think I should be doing that? Or do I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> and that's the key thing. What do you think? <laughs> do you think you're doing the right thing? What, what benefits are you getting out of it for just doing that at the moment? Is it a lot of pleasure? Are you discovering something new? Could it lead to something else? Could it unlock a door that you, you thought was blocked for you? My mom's doing a jigsaw at the moment and she was kind of, you know, trying to get fit the place, things in the place, and she couldn't quite do it. She went off and had a cup of tea. When she came back, she went, oh, look, there's 10 pieces I can put into place. Just because she'd taken that time away from the problem and relaxed for a while, she suddenly found that she didn't have to think too much about it, and there was a solution for her. And quite often, I know that I've done programming in the past, and I know other people that do programming. And yeah, yeah, you're almost banging your head against a brick wall. You've got headaches because you can't solve this little problem. But as soon as you walk away and you have the courage to walk away, when you come back, the solutions seem so simple. You kind of went, why couldn't I think about that? And I think that's what we're discovering now is that just relax. In Garvin's case, let the universe come in. My case, let the Holy Spirit come in and do what he wants you to do and follow what you be led. Because you're finding that these things are listening to what your, what, what your requests are. And they are actually putting opportunities in front of you if you just stop and look and be aware of what's around you. I think most people that miss things are because they're too locked up in their own mind, worrying about whether they're going in the right direction or not. Whereas if they stopped doing that and just looked ahead of themselves and looked around, become aware of the environment they're in, they realize, actually, do you know what? We're doing all right. We're not doing too badly. And we've got a lot to be thankful for, which I think is what Garvin said earlier on with his wife, his family, his home, his car, everything else. And I'm in the same boat. Everything, you know, we're in the right, we're where we're meant to be now at this particular point. And all we have to do is be. <laughs> That's what well, I think. I'm going, what's very, no, I don't know what's very interesting or not and how old I am and showing my age or if anyone even remembers. But you just said, no, and we just said, stop, look, and listen. It's the green cross code. Code, you yes. Know, basically, yes. you're going to walk across that road safely. You're going to look left and right and you're going to be aware of your surroundings and you're going to get there safely if you stop, look and listen. And, and therefore, that, that's what's just, I mean, I don't know where the hell that came from other than when you were <laughs> as an eight-year-old watching RTE and the little song they had that went with it. But it's, if, if I apply it to everyday life, 
you know, stop, smell the roses, look around you, see what you've got. Listen, listen to the birds singing. You're alive. You can tell the difference. And then follow the green cross code and keep on walking, keep on talking, keep on dancing, keep on jigging. Because if as long as you keep on getting out of bed and walking and talking, you're alive, you're living, an opportunity can present itself. And you know, problems can too. But the whole point is we're meant to ignore, not ignore them, address them. So if they need a solution, solve them. If you can't do it yourself, ask someone. You know, you can't, you can't, an awful lot of what I see, and even with myself is, I think it's all for me to sort. It's all, I can't, when I ask someone, or not even ask them, I just speak to someone, talk to someone, they mention a different solution. They mention, stop doing that. You shouldn't even, that is something you're trying to solve. You shouldn't even be doing. So there, and 90% of the time it was, it wasn't a problem at all. It wasn't even my problem. It was someone else's problem. And I took it on, took ownership of it. And then it consumed me. And it was a small, I was talking to George earlier on, we might talk about a figure and we're saying this thousand quid or this hundred quid is taking up all my time, my mindset, because it shouldn't be there. And it is, and I, and my life and my time on this planet has been consumed by a nonsense, something that in the scheme of things is irrelevant and shouldn't have been given any waiting at all. It's a frustration. It's admin you got to stop and deal and even walk away from it. And the, actually, the hardest thing, and it keeps on reoccurring in different conversations with a lot of people I'm talking to, is it is so hard to walk away. Because your time was invested in the past. It's a sunk. Now, the strange thing is, the time is in the past. The cost is in the past. In accountancy language, it's a sunk cost. You're, you're overvaluing something that's in that you cannot get back and you want to get a value in the future from. But the whole point is, Sometimes it's better to walk away. Stop doing it. Stop repeating it. Stop making the same mistake twice, three times, four times, five times. And let it go. And therefore, take your time back. Take control back. Stop doing that one. It doesn't mean you stop doing. It just be, if you try to sell it to 10 people and they don't want it, and they were the ones that should have wanted it, then listen. Listen to what you're being told. That's the wrong thing. That's the wrong subject. It's not what's in demand. It's not what is needed. It's what you think is, but you haven't done your research. You haven't asked the audience. You haven't consulted with those to do it. Therefore, reach out. And that's in every part of life, not filmmaking and all the rest of it. Stop doing what doesn't need to be done. And don't do stuff because you just think it needs to be done, even if it does, if it's you're the wrong person. And I, I, I'm painting one wall down the, down the hall here. I have a painter upstairs painting the other one. I know he's doing the job right. I'm doing a little bit of a semi-botch job down this end. But I know I'm getting, like George says, I'm a ticking a box of task that everything needs to be done. There's budget for that one, not for this one. I'm bringing it up to a level of cleaning and prep. I readdress it at a later date when there's more bang for buck budget. But it still needs, to, I, there's enough that 80 20 rule or principle, I'm going to do enough that it looks done. If you have closer observation, you're going to be able to pick at it. But if you're picking at it, you're already there, you've already paid. And if that's your problem, well, then that, that's a weird, that's where I find people picking at small things and making them bigger into bigger things. That is not the personality you want to be friendling. That's, that's not what you want to draw to yourself. You know, and that's why I'm also listening, listening to myself and George in the last number of shows and that reflection on the 30 shows of, I don't want those to be seen, to be people going, ah, oh, it's going to cost you this and that, and oh, woe is me and the mm. other. I want us to be positive. 
but I, and I know from that language, at the same time, I'm trying to stop them. I'm saying, re-look, re-check, are you happy with, do you understand the cost, time and investment of what you're putting in here, and it's not moving forward, it's not being seen, it's not being heard, no one's investing, no one's chasing you out, no one's, what you need to be doing that you're attracting this other to you. It's stop, there's something, it might not be stop doing what you're doing, there might be something that's just missing that, that other 20%. That's what we always get to. We all can do the 80. But if the value is in the next 20 rather than the 80 we've done, we're still we're doing the wrong thing in the wrong order. Not that the 100%, the 100% needs to be done, but it's which needs to be done in what order. And that's life now at the moment for me and George. I think we're prioritizing. Well, actually, that's the other thing of what you were saying. I have to start living my life in reverse. It's what's my obituary going to read? Did, what am I doing now that will lead to we did the right things? You had a happy family. They all went to college. They, they're happily married where they go. They, they weren't scarred for life and all the rest of it. They didn't want for, they're not going to be molly coddled and, and, and you know, money spent on them unnecessarily. It's more give your children a happy childhood if you can. It's not your responsibility to pay for the college if you can afford it. I pay for my own. I five jobs. It's it's sometimes we put too much pressure on ourselves. Yes, I'd like to. If I can, we will. But don't put yourself in the debt to do. It might be they should do it three years later and do it work in little or shop in the meantime and get the funds. So it's the timing, the value of time left, whether it should be or shouldn't be doing it at all. Are we enjoying the now? And actually, that's what I'm talking to myself on a screen, now at George as well, to an un unknown audience of billions and nobody so the only audience we're talking to is ourselves are we i'm happy i'm actually i do know it was worth quitting accountancy i've had the best three years of my life with my family in the lockdown with george making 130 episodes of talk not talk i won't say talking shots no there was a good chunk of that in there but there was a little bit of something else which was coaching mentoring mindfulness and self-coaching to change, to stop one thing, which was leading to stress and strain and problems and unhappiness, not monetary, but just no self-worth, to now 130 shows of value for myself and ourselves. It doesn't need to be for anyone else because the most important person you're doing it for, first, is yourself, second, for your family, third, for your friends, fourth to an unknown customer if you want to think of it that way and that's the order i'm approaching now we need to be doing something for ourselves that we can be passionate about that's rewarding first to ourselves and monetary rewarding great we'll get there on that one but that that's where i find myself now it's a green cross code stop look and listen safety across the road but you're walking and you're crossing roads but you're you're minimizing risk What's what was fascinating listening to you there is, uh, and again, it's it, it could just be me and you having the conversation. It, it could just be me listening to you, you listening back, because uh, you're picking up things I'm saying. Sometimes you're saying you don't listen, but you do, because I can hear it coming back through the conversation we're actually having. But one of the things I think that's really important is, mm -hmm. is even if there is just one other person that you can talk to and, and, and who will listen to what you're saying, because quite often we often we feel ourselves that what we've said is silly, it's stupid, you know, it's meaningless, it doesn't have any value. But quite often the very things that we think are 
you know, putting us down within ourselves are the very things that other people want to hear to give them a sense of purpose and a direction to go forward. So those, so having the opportunity to express ourselves as well as, and that's where artists come from. Artists want to express themselves because they want to communicate to other people. We're, we're animals that communicate and we communicate verbally. We also communicate in our actions and what we do and the way we present ourselves. And this is a very important part of our culture and our society, regardless of which part of the planet we come from, everybody likes to tell stories and the story of us is so important to be told. And, and we're hearing that a lot of the streamers are looking at uh, different cultures so they could, you know, mine that vast richness of the, that's, that's there in different places to come up with new stories to actually tell their audience. So they're thinking of the target audience again. They're thinking of who those people are. But without talking, without sharing, without nurturing ideas, without doing what Garvin said a short time ago, where you, you, you pull together these little bubbles that have popped up and string them together in another form that creates new meaning, there is value in that. Because sometimes the meaning may not be there for you because that's not what the purpose is. You're not the one that's trying to communicate to somebody. It's somebody else. You're just there to give them some suggestions and nudges in, that, in another direction that helps them move where they want to go. And I think that becomes the important part of that sort of process. So there is value in us sharing what we have between ourselves and, and, and because that's how we learn. We learn through expressing ourselves. The other person can sort of say to us whether or not we're in the right direction. Garvin's already talked about it. We can then see, the other person can see your blind spots and help nurture you in a certain direction that you hadn't even thought about. Garvin also talked about the time, sometimes we need to learn when to let go. And sometimes that letting go is, is to stop. And it reminded me of a number of occasions when I've been editing in the past. And I thought everything was so precious that I was doing, you know, working really, really hard. And then the machine would go down and the hard drive would be wiped and I'd have to start all over again or the last edit would go. And all of a sudden you're kind of going, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Everything is lost. But the thing is, you've still got the memories of what you did. And those memories help you quickly put things together in more than likely a better way. So one of the things I used to tell myself was actually, that wasn't what we wanted, but what we're about to do is the better thing. And it gave me those opportunities to do that. So there's a couple of things there. Don't worry if things seem to collapse and fall away because you've already learned the lessons of that that you can put into action in the next project. Don't be frightened to walk away from what you, you think is important uh, and that you have to do these things because maybe you don't have to. And maybe the lesson is in the walking away. And what I mentioned earlier on is that sometimes, you know, like my mom doing the jigsaw puzzle, the walking in the way has given her the opportunity to chill out, that she comes back with fresh eyes and she can see a new possibility and it allows her to solve the problem that she's trying to do. And I think that's something that we have to realize. We live through a cycle of a day, so many hours, we, we need certain breaks. And if we've got into the habit of not having those breaks because the way our society is currently pushing us, we get burnt out and we get dried out because we haven't recuperated the energy that we need to be able to do those ideas and push those things forward. Now, it may seem a bit odd that we're, we're talking about this, but this is a process that we all have to get used to because of the limitations that we individually have. And, and we need to, even those breaks, let go, have that break, walk away, go and walk somewhere, go and do something else, go and listen to music, 
I, I sometimes play the guitar or play the violin. It just takes my mind completely away from that task as I was doing last and gives me an opportunity to come back completely fresh. And then I can look at it things in a different way. And I may see opportunities I hadn't actually seen before. But also sharing those ideas with other people become, even if it's one other person, is so important because they can help you give you a perspective that you suddenly can't see because maybe you're being blinkered in a way. And I think that's that's a very important part of, of what we've been doing over the last couple of years. Nothing's wasted. And, and, and even if an audience finds this at another time, I think what we're laying down is something that's quite rich for, for other people to suddenly come and, and look to, even though we may not see what that is in the quality of what we're doing, but other people will. And then they'll come back and they'll actually tell you at some point uh, what you've done for them and, and how it's helped lift them and take them in a direction that you hadn't even thought. Of. I had that experience over the weekend with people I'd met on my life's journey, different people that came up to me and said, wow, you know, uh, I see you're doing X, Y, and Z. Isn't that amazing? And uh, it's really good. And you encouraged me to do the same. And you've helped me along that path. So you never know what seeds you're sowing and what may grow from that. And I think that's an important part of the process. Now, that's uh, interesting. I think I just got louder here. There's a big, bigger echo in the room <laughs> than it was a minute ago. I think there could be a storm on the way in terms of pressure or my earpiece is falling out. That's what it is. <coughs> Excuse me. But... I'm reminded of Peter Sellers, and it might be the film The Gardener or something. Being like there. Being, being there. there. He's a gardener in being there. In there and being yeah. there is being there, being here, being now. In and, and the strange thing is, grow, he, was, he was a simple gardener, and he didn't even know he was giving worldly advice to the president because he was talking about the flowers and let it grow and nurture them. And, but it's the same language. You know, it's, you know, that's what we're doing. We're nurturing ideas and helping them grow. And, you know, and may, some things are have thorns on them and others are weeds, and, but they all have purpose. Now, strangely enough, I, I was out there and I, there's a lot of weeds in my garden and whatever that, and that's also, you know, clutter in your mind. Yeah, if you just want to use that analogy as well. And, and, we got to weed the garden and we got to get, you know, let flowers grow and a couple of nice roses in there and, you know, smell the roses, the virtual ones or the real ones in the metaverse or the real verse. It doesn't. But the whole point is that there's no flowers and there's only weeds. You're choosing that. You know, it's, it's you know, you have the power, the most powerful, you know, mind or machine on the planet is actually your brain and it's a capability of creation is, is a miracle worker in your mind. And therefore, you, you know, most of the time I like to think, you know, dream it, be it. You, you can, no, you can't be everything and you, there's some stuff you can dream, but you have to have a vision. You have to have a goal. And that's where we've got time. And that's one of the project, you know, like uh, resources on a project plan. You've got time, labor, money, and other bits and pieces. But if time isn't there, the rest are irrelevant. So that's the one one that if that's not there, the rest don't even start. So you've got some time now what are you planting what seeds are you planting now you, if you know you've got a bunch of you know weed seeds in your hand no there's no roses going to grow and, and there's no amount of chelsea gardens going to come out of that thing so we're going do you want to plant chelsea gardens or do you just want a couple of roses because sometimes i think i'm not stripe i'm not the cools and brothers i'm not you know i'm not jeff bezos by not planting any seeds that would ever lead there. And I don't even want to be it anyway. 
because there's nothing I'm doing in motivation and passion would even indicate that factor. I just want to have it, but that's not real. So we're back to going, what can I grow? What am I able to influence? How big is your garden? You know, and what and I'm reminded again of people have, you know, patched those little um, allotments. So I have a big garden of two acres of grass and weeds. But of all, and other people have a window, you know, still a lot like, um, you know, patch or an, even an, an allotment. But you're in control. It doesn't matter how big it is or how small it is. You're in the one thing you're in control of is time. Secondly, and what seeds you might plant with a goal in mind. And that's where you can grow food or you can grow flowers. You don't, you're not meant to be growing weeds. So there, and that's what we're, we're, we have this mindfulness aspect of things and we apply it in our everyday lives. I'm, I'm getting rid of the weeds. I'm planting flowers. No, I'm planting food. Maybe I'm splitting it down there. Flowers and food. So we want to nourish ourselves, but we want to look, we want to smell the roses. And, I, and that's what I'm realizing now. What, I have planted seeds and my kids in their in the amount of time I've given them the last number of years. We've been around with, from COVID to stop and work a number of years before that because I could afford to do something slightly different that gave them more time and nourishment. They're happy kids. I'm hoping they are. They're healthy at the moment. I can't control the universe. But my job is nearly done. They're one off to college. The others, hopefully I can help them on that path. That, that's a, there's a role and job I have there and these are my flowers. There's no weeds. I planted seeds and, and, and I want the nurture to grow. That's my, if that's the only thing I'd leave on this planet, you know, then I did a good job. My legacy is in, is in my children and the next generation. And, I, and I'm starting to realize that's part of my ladder. And, and I, have a, I, I, I haven't given it the value of my time journey before because I was measuring the wrong things. So we've got, I've got family, I've got friends, I've got, I'm, I'm healthy, I'm wealthy and wise. Not so much monetary, but that be, but might be by my measure and not someone else's. So I'm very, my, I'm starting to get mindful of the fact that these are the important, they're the important things that need to be re-weighted. And we can then, what's left with time in terms of monetary journey, there's a certain element of monetary journey but this other passion legacy of enjoying every day and make the legacy mean, can I make a difference to who? Hope it starts with, I can make a difference to my family and those around me. It'd be nice if I can, on that same journey by who we're working with and really having creating relationships with, we can make a difference to them. George will inform and educate, and I like to take the piss. I want to see if I can make him laugh. I can't help it. It's in me. I am, he's wisdom. I'm normal. You know, so, I mean, I think that's where there's that little bit of clash going on. So I don't even know what the question was, even if there was one again. I'm Norman wisdom. Yeah, he's wisdom. And I'm starting to think that whatever time is left in, ter in terms of journeying within this industry uh, and or other ones, if that's what starts to materialize based on where we are on our journey and what will happen next. What was very important to me, and I realized over the years is, I like talking, I wanna meet people, I wanna make a difference. I don't want to be annoying, I, I don't mind, I, talk, I enjoy annoying them, but I want to be that they don't be so much annoyed that it puts them off the fact you're not promising them. 
Because all that is to me is they heard the same story before. Nothing different is going to happen. There's nothing new going to be learned. If all you're going to get is a yes, man, no, man, this, that, and the other, man, thank you, ma'am. No, you won't get that with me and George. We'll promote you a little bit. We'll bring you into the room and we'll introduce a herd of elements. Back to you, George. <laughs> actually, I think it was really quite good what you were talking about there because you, you've, you've actually shared with us the, the value, the real value that we all have and it's in our families. It's in it's in the children that we bring up. It's in the grandchildren that we that then follow us. And I know uh, we we live in a, a generation where we want the next generation to be looked after, and we want to look after them and make sure that you know they they're okay and that they've financially are looked after. And you know we want to sort of give them, give them, and give them. But one of the things I've learned over the last few years, especially was with my two youngsters being now getting close to 30 or in their 30s is the fact that we did teach them what they needed to know when they were kids and they became very very independent early on and they looked after themselves and they got themselves through college and they went on and now they're very independent in the way that they work and operate and they're instilling into their children that same sense of independent still part of a community you're still helping but it's not a financial thing it's actually about you giving the time that you have. And you mentioned that earlier on in your, your little synopsis there, that you gave up something that was the work that stole your time from you for wasn't really, it, it was no benefit to you. It was always benefit to other people. And what happened was that you decided, actually, my children are the most important and I need to be with them to spend that time with them for, for the time that they wanted me to be there. And that's that's a good thing. And, and, and you're seeing that your family is stronger because of that. You know, as, as you've, you've come on, you mentioned that you've got a stronger family. And I feel the same way with my family, that it's, it's strong. It's there together. We're still talking to our adult kids and we're still talking to our grandkids. And, you know, they're getting to see and compare, you know, what they were like with me. And so that that life cycle, that journey continues on. And we also are discovering that, do you know what? Our job is, is done. It's not that the things are over, but we now have time to do some of the things that we would like to do. And that's not being selfish. It's that we've given and sacrificed what we need to do early on. But now is the time to start to look afresh at what's going on, possibly give back to other people, the community that we're working within or live within and, and have supported us through our journey, but in ways that are meaningful and things that they value as well. And I think, again, as I said before, I've been shocked with um, the support and encouragement of a lot of people around me within the community, in the wider family that we have, that, that has nurtured me along the path that I'm at. And I don't feel, and it's not, it's not me doing it on my own. And I think that's the key. We don't have to do this on our own. Uh, there is a family there and a community there looking after us, nurturing us, and making sure that we're supported when we need to, because they can see the value in what we have to offer other people if we get to see, in some cases, our dreams come true. And would you believe it? We're about an hour into this conversation, so we're coming close to the end. And I think that's probably a good wrap-up with what we've been talking about. We've been, we've been looking at, we've been reflecting upon why it's important to be in the present, the, uh, the look listen uh and what was the other stop, thing look and listen, stop, look and listen. actually that was the thing it was the stopping first then looking then listening and that was that showed that you were aware of your environment aware of what was going on around you and that you could navigate through what 
could be a risky environment crossing the road, uh, but you could do it safely. And that's something we all learned when we were five, how to cross the road safely so you didn't actually end up getting killed. And, and once you'd learned that, you could do that ad infinitum for the rest of your life. And it became a tool that you could do. But we tended to forget about it as we got older, that there were other areas of our life that we needed to stop, look and listen before we took the actions that we needed to take. And that reflective piece is, is a very important part of the process. And I think today that's what we've been doing. This is why this show was important for us. We felt that we needed to do this. And even if it's just Garvin listening to George hear me or me listening to Garvin, that's good. That's important because I think we've learned something from that conversation, just the interactions that have been natural in the flow. I've reflected upon what Garvin's been saying. I know Garvin's been reflecting on what I've said because he's picked up on a lot of the things I said. He said he doesn't listen, but he does because he, he, you know, we've got evidence of it when this show goes out that that's what he's been doing. And it's been a nice natural flow. It's been a nicely paced way of working. We've enjoyed the process and we hope that the audience that gets to watch this will do, even if it's only just one other person in about 20 years time. <laughs> then we've There's done our job. Valuable. That's it. We've done our job. So last words, Garvin. Now you're going to like this. We are the lollipop men. That's what we want to be. Now, again, it might not be the Wizard of Oz, but when you're stopped looking and listening and following the green cross code, if I remember the ad properly, there was a lollipop man or, or woman helping you navigate safely through that risk to the other side of what you want. So the film industry, indie film industry in Ireland and or further afield, we are the lollipop men. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We hope you look forward to next week's episode. Bye for now. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. Hope you enjoyed this video. Please subscribe and click on the bell for notifications.